Hello, and welcome to Dressing Room Talk. Today's episode is Backstage Guru with Justin Petito. Michaela, would you like to introduce our guest? I would be honored. Justin Petito is here with us today. I went with him to SUNY Fredonia, but he is older. He is such a gem of a human and person and an incredible, incredible artist. Justin, please say hello to our listeners today. This is so exciting. We have you on. Hello. Thanks for having me. So Justin, please introduce yourself and tell us all the things about you. Sure. Uh, I'm Justin. I hail from Long Island, New York, Strong Island. Um, I was born and raised here, currently living here. Uh, I never actually left because the only other place I've lived is Queens, which is Long Island still, as much as people say it's not. (laughs) And I am a production electrician based in New York City. So cool. He's so cool. And he's so funny. (laughs) So uh, tell us about your origin story. How did you get into theater? Sure. So I first started theater, the first show I guess I ever was a part of. I've seen Broadway since I was a very little kid. Um, My grandmother used to take us all as like a Christmas present. That's one of the greatest things about growing up on Long Island is we just got to see so much. I actually didn't even know that national touring was a thing until I got to college because I was just so used to seeing Broadway. So Mm. the first show, though, I was a part of, I was in Beauty and the Beast when I was in fifth grade. I was as Lumiere and I thought it was the greatest (laughs) thing ever. But I always Mm kind of was like looking around, like wondering how all the other stuff worked. And I always thought it was really cool. And then in seventh grade, I was in Honk, and I realized during that show that I wanted to do the backstage stuff. I didn't even know what it was, but I wanted Mm. to do the lighting, the sound, the sets, everything. And so in eighth grade, when my middle school did Susicle, I was kind of my director's right-hand man. I helped with the lighting design. I helped with the sound. I ran backstage during the show, and... uh, that was my my first claim to fame was backstage guru. I think I was listed as in the program in eighth grade and then ever since then. I went on to do so many shows in high school, but it was kind of interesting. I never I only did one or two of the high school's actual productions. I worked for my high school, so I got to do every other event they ever held, whether it was sporting events, doing the sound or board meetings, videotaping. And, you know, the benefit was to that was I got paid all through high school to do all those different events. And then I did work on my first stab at lighting design was for Avita. And I'm sure glad it happened because it gave me some portfolio items for what I didn't know my future career would be at the time. <laughs> and I think the funniest part about that was the director I worked with Her husband would then be one of the people I worked with later on at Bay Street Theater for years and years and years. And that was my first kind of like, wow, this is a small world. So it all kind of happened like that in the beginning of end of middle school into high school, where I just started to realize like what this kind of was, uh, this theater machine we have. Yeah, it is crazy. (laughs) Nobody knows what happens everywhere else to make a theater produce a show. It's insane, the amount of people. And I still feel like I'm learning how many people it actually takes to produce a show. And I've been working. I have a degree in it, so I still don't know. So how did you choose the schools that you went to? So that's another interesting story, because I feel like like most people, I didn't even know you could do this for a living. Mm -hmm. I thought it's just something people do. And 
I was going to go to college for architecture or engineering <laughs> or to be a, a high school, middle school shop teacher, something with my hands, you know, something creative, but uh, more not theater, I guess. <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't even think it was an option until my high school theater teacher, Mrs. Highgum, said, you know, you can go to school for this. And I was like, what? And I remember going home that day and like Googling it. And telling my mom, like, I, can, I, I can do this. Like, this is a thing. And, and of course, my parents were like, do you, are you going to make any money? And I said, well, maybe not. But I mean, I'm sure we'll figure it out. I remember that point in my head so vividly. It was all one day. And then I remember like going online. And I, there were some schools I wanted to apply to no matter what. I applied to BU because my... Uh, dad went there and my uncle went there. Nice. And I always was fascinated with Boston. Um, I applied to Buffalo because my brother was going there. That's UB, not Buff State. <laughs> and then I was like, I don't know what else, where else to apply. So I started doing some searching around and I had found Emerson I applied to. And then I was wanted some more SUNY schools because they're so much more affordable. And uh, so I found Oswego and Fredonia. And that was my set of schools that I applied to. And then I found out I had to do this interview and, and portfolio presentation. And I was like, what? I, I don't even know what that is. And one of my tech teachers in high school helped me put some stuff together. And I went to Boston and did an interview there. And I went actually to New York City and did my um, BU interview there. And then I wasn't even going to go to Fredonia. I was like, no, dad, I don't want to go. I don't I don't. I'm going to go to Emerson. Like, I'm going to go to one of these other schools. And he's like, well, maybe you should just go check it out. And I was like, nah, it's just not the right school for me. And I got there and I was like, no, this is this is it. Hmm. I was like, I can't even believe I wasn't going to go here. But this is it. it. It was crazy. It was the school, the campus, the town, the tour that I was given by some of the other technicians, the interview with the professors, the everything about it felt right. It felt comfortable. It didn't feel like I'm out of my league. It didn't feel like I'm above it. It just felt right. And that's where I ended up. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Talk about following your gut feelings. Like, oh, yeah. And it working out. Yeah. 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 I, I guess the, the second part of the decision was the same Mrs. Highgum told me, like, you want to come out of school with the least amount of debt possible. You know, set yourself up for success to take internships you can. I mean, mm -hmm. if you owe $200,000 because you went to some private school, are you going to take that $100 a week internship to get your foot in the door? And I don't know the answer to that now, but uh, I'm sure glad I took that piece of advice from her as well. And, you know, she was right about a lot of things. But what yeah. was it like being at like Fredonia and yeah. really, truly starting your career there? What the opportunities uh, that you obtained there, what was it like? You know, I always like to say Fredonia as a BFA technician, you get what you put into it. And and that's nothing against the program. I think the program is designed that way. And I think that that's great because I think if a program is going to try to just pull people along that aren't interested in even doing it or giving it their all, then that is going to be uh, that's going to fail the students in the end. But um, Fredonia really pushed me to come up with my own things to make it harder for me myself. That, that sounded weird. But I guess Fredonia 
allowed me to take opportunities outside of Fredonia and take what I learned there and make my education better. So I did some internships while I was a student at um, some of the rental shops. There's a rental shop in Fredonia. And, you know, that was such a unique experience because coming out of school, I knew how a rental shop worked at least a little bit. You know, I knew how their inventory system worked. And as a production electrician, I work with the rental shops every day. So that was a huge leg up right out of school. But in terms of in-school opportunities, you know, I pushed myself and my friends and I, we became very close and we all pushed each other from a very early stage. So I got to, I did a lot of sound design because there wasn't a sound design program. And then I went on to do a lot of lighting design. I was the lighting designer for The Shape of Things that was a main stage. And then I was the lighting designer for Hair, which I still think I go down in history as using the most number of lights in Fredonia history, which was pretty cool. Yep. <laughs> um, so I, I remember I sent my plot to my professor and he was trying to talk me out of some number of lights. And then he ended up talking me into adding more at the end of the conversation. <laughs> and so I think that was pretty unique. Uh, I got to give a shout out to Todd Prophet. You know, he taught me so much and he's still such a good friend. We try to keep up from time to time. Hair was my freshman year of school. Um, okay. And I saw it and it was just amazing. Like, I mean, the show itself and the lighting and just the costume design, like everything about that show was great. And I remember um, like us talking about it in freshman seminar or something and like Tom Laughlin being like, yeah, Justin used all these lights. And <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm <feel> looks good. Like, <laughs> I feel like Fredonia does a lot of risque shows. We do. We tend to. Yeah. There's a lot of like naked they do. people. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Same. Yep. He goes, yep. <laughs> yeah. Definitely a great program. It's funny that you mentioned Tom Laughlin. I remember, it, I think it was, oh, what was, there's a senior class you, that we took with Tom, I think, and, and he was oh. talking about technicians. And he was like, you know what makes Justin a great ex technician? Well, when I say I need something, he just says, no problem. You know, you got some people who say <laughs> no every time you the, the director asks a question. Justin says, no problem. And it's, you know, that's so been true. such a good thing about my career is I say no problem too many times. It's also been probably my biggest downfall. You do. I'm just like, I just I felt like I heard that conversation in my head. I say no problem. And then I'm like, oh, my God, what did I just sign myself up for? Like, how am I going to get that done? <laughs> and it's but, such yeah. with a Long Island accent, too. It's so distinct. It's great. Yeah. I just remember seeing you with that specific group of technicians. And I know Cassie Williams, who was one of our other guests, God bless her, uh, this season. She, I remember seeing her with you as well. But I just remember how close you were with your friends. Like you guys were, yeah. not this like, you, I mean, as a freshman, you were intimidating. <laughs> you know, me being a freshman and seeing you all, like sure, you have this patch, sure, but sure. you were all so friendly and so talented. And I could see like how you said you guys pushed each other completely. Yeah. Well, and you know, created and, and we still opportunities do. for yourself. I mean, we four of us got to tour together on once, which was unreal. The fact that four best <laughs> friends from college got to go on the road together, like it was Rare. like yeah. something out of a book. It was crazy how much fun it was. Of course, there were tense moments because we were all such good friends. But at the end of the day, we all left the tour saying that was the second best experience of our life to college. Mm -hmm. it, it was so much fun. Uh, but we pushed each other to make the show great, even on the road. And, you know, to the point where one of the production managers came out when we were in Buffalo with the show 
and came in to see how we were loading the show in so fast because we were done before lunch, which was pretty unheard of out of any show ever on the road. And um, he showed up at like 1130 and we were just finishing up and he's like, well, I came to figure out how you did it so fast and I can't even see that because it's already finished. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's just it was the best group of guys, uh, uh, best group of people, excuse me, that you could have together. Nice. You know, I'm so lucky to have the, them as my friends. It's so good. I don't know if you guys at Fredonia ever went to um, like KCACTF, which is like a regional yeah. design competition. There was also like a performers competition where you could get like scholarships and stuff. But um, mm-hmm. if you took a show to KCACTF... Um, and you load it in and load it out, out of all of the schools in your region, one show would get um, a golden, oh, what's the thing on wheels with the... Like a golden road case? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Like, you would get, you would, like, win that if you had, like, the most efficient load in and load out. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. At Fredonia, we didn't do that festival. We didn't really do... We were very involved with USITT, mm-hmm. which was kind, which ended up being great because it's kind of what got me my first job. But yeah. so we went as a school, we had a student chapter uh, and we went every year. I went all four years to the USITT uh, National Conference, which was awesome because uh, it was pretty much just all the professors knew that the technicians would leave that week and there was no problem with it. Mm-hmm. I did get some issues from my philosophy professor and I said, Ugh. I don't need this class to graduate. And he said, have a nice week. And uh, that was just <laughs> fine oh. uh, by me. <laughs> Bold, I love it. And I hope he listens to the podcast because I think a lot of people have an opinion about his class. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we made some lifelong friends and connections at USITT. And within the New York had a regional section of USITT that would do meetings. And that's where I met the network's production managers. Wow. The rest is history. Big deal. Yeah, Yeah. big deal. (laughs) It's really good. That's, I think, a really great story. We were at, I think it was at, we were at Binghamton and, you know, they were having like a job fair where a bunch of companies were interviewing, you know, like Alvin Alley uh, and then a lot of regional theaters were there. And then all of a sudden two production managers walk in and they made an announcement. Two production managers from networks are here. They'll be accepting resumes and doing interviews. And me and Colin Brager looked at each other and went, we have to get on that list. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. how many people we have to talk to them. Mm-hmm. And because we both knew that that's what we wanted to do after college. Mm. And so we were the last two people to talk to them. And they picked up my resume. And the thing that stands out to me about that was they knew one of the lighting designers who I worked with at Bay Street Theater, Paul Miller, uh, who does the Mm -hmm. New Year's Eve lighting design in Times Square. Wow. And he's done a bunch of other shows, obviously, as well. And they were like, we love Paul Miller. He's doing this show for us and this show. And uh, it turned into a conversation. And then they wrote their email address on a piece of loose leaf paper and handed it to me because they were the company, I guess, was rebranding. So nobody had any cards at the time. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, just email us. We'll, we'll figure it all out. And I said, OK. Then Colin talked to them and they had a nice, really long conversation as well. And then I emailed them, and then Jason actually came a week later and did a workshop that PAC was putting on, which is Fredonia's student-run performing arts company. Mm. They brought him <laughs> in, and that was an incredible workshop. Mm. 
And he still talks about it to this day when we're doing techs. He's, he loves to talk about how that's so different than other schools because it wasn't the professors trying to impress the production managers. It was just the students. Mm-hmm. And mm. he's like, that was so great. He's like, it was all students. It was student run. And we just got to have a conversation. And he loved that. And I, I love that, too. I think that was a, another big freedom yeah. plus is they let the students do stuff. Right. They, they weren't trying to show off the school so much like some of those bigger mm-hmm. theater schools do, I feel like. And then uh, a week later, we were at USITT and he was there too. <laughs> and a week after that, I got offered Beauty and the Beast. Wow. The way the universe works is well, like, pretty it's cool. It's just like good people attract good people. Oh, yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. The biggest thing I look for in right. crew members is don't be a jerk. Like, it's, it's oh, crazy God, that... That's it. But all, I, I want to work with somebody who's nice. You know, even as the production electrician, I only spend a couple of weeks with you. But like you being a good person versus you being not, it, it could change the dynamic of tech, mm-hmm. you know, and that's important to know. So somebody at USIDT did a seminar. There was a seminar on being a road electrician or being a touring person. And this might mm-hmm. have been my freshman year. This was a long time ago. And they said the first thing, don't be an ass. And I was like, mm-hmm. really? That's that's all it takes? And I, <laughs> yeah. for a long time, tried to fight that and be like, no, you got to have all this skill and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, once I started hiring people, I realized, no, that's really the biggest thing. I would rather <laughs> teach somebody how to do the job, but then be a good person. Yeah. So right out of school was Beauty and the Beast. Like yeah. you said, and that was the touring company of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, I, I feel like we should back up, though. I, I guess I didn't mention yeah. any of my internships. We kind of skipped ahead. Go ahead. Go, go in order. There. Um, there. Yeah. I applied to a bunch of places and I only got a couple of, like emails back my freshman year, but I was a freshman. Like, what did I know? And I was genuinely okay with that. But I did get an offer to go be the carpentry and electrics intern at Bristol Valley Theater. Wow. Which in Naples, New York, which is like As a, a freshman? very yeah, it's a very small theater. It was summer stock. It was you know like six or seven shows over the course of the summer, one new one every two weeks, and I would build the show as the uh, carpentry intern with a couple other people, and then I would during changeover I would do the lighting changeover and then build the show and then do the lighting changeover and sometimes I had to run the show too. Uh, But that was like, that taught you how to do fast and dirty theater, you know, Mm because it was so much. And I got so much skill set from that. And it was such a beautiful area of New York. I still love going back there. Every now and then I drive through. Uh, I was on my way to the Bronx Tale Tech a couple of years ago, and I just stopped. I, I stopped in. I drove right through and stopped in. And every, <laughs> it was like I was just going right back. Nobody skipped a beat. They were like, oh, my God, it's so great to see you. It was not even a question that we all knew each other. It was great. And it was so funny how it timed out. And then I worked at Bay Street Theater every other summer until I went on the road. And so I started there as an electrics intern after my sophomore year. And then I was the assistant master electrician after my junior year and then I was the master electrician after my senior year and then I went out on the road after that but Bay Street Theater is so near and dear to my heart uh I grew up there on Long Island in Sag Harbor and so it's about an hour from where I grew up 
and it's just such a cool, unique theater. The work they do, the talent they bring in, it's been really great to still go back and work there time to time. After I was on Phantom, I went back as the lighting supervisor and had a, a great time. And now I still go back and overhire if I'm available because everybody there knows me. I know everybody. We love hanging out, but we, and we love working together. Um, so a lot of a lot of Fredonia people have been pulled through there, and it's just a great place to work. I haven't heard many people from like who I know and um, who I've worked with that work there, but I've heard so many great things about that theater and like the productions there. Do you have a favorite one that you've worked on? The the cool thing is they only do three shows a summer. Oh, um, okay, so cool. So every show is like a month long. It, usually it's like three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. Yeah. Which is great opportunity. But then there's always events. So as an intern, you still get a ton of experience. It's not like, oh, you only do three shows because you do their gala, which is a huge event. And then sometimes we do a Shakespeare in the Park. Oh, wow. I would say my favorite show we've ever done. It, it's probably a tie. We did Grey Gardens out there with Betty Buckley and Rachel York in <sighs> And that was a magnificent production. But then we also did Evita my last summer there. And that was probably the grandest production they ever put on. I feel like Mm. it was just so it's such a, you know, rip roaring musical that it's like it takes a an army to put up. And Grey Gardens was just like such a jazzy, just such so beautiful. It was just they were just they're both great. But they were both different. Those actors. And I think that my was, God. <laughs> yeah. A really, really cool, unique experience. Um, and the show was just phenomenal. Both of them. Both of them were so good. So let's talk about all these incredible opportunities you got post-college. And sure. you continue to get. I, I think we both want to hear, and I'm sure our listeners do, all of the incredible shows you've worked on. And like the history and timeline of all of that up until covid if you don't mind yeah. sharing. So, no, absolutely. Right out of college, I toured Beauty and the Beast as the assistant electrician. And uh, I got to tour with Bobby, um, one of my good friends, Bobby the Candia, on that one. He was a flyman. I was the assistant electrician. We both had no idea what we were doing. We had, we, uh, <laughs> we always say now, like, we should have been fired day two. <laughs> um, I love Bobby. People had some, no, maybe not fired, but. Uh, it was, I mean, we must have been so rough around the edges coming right into touring and having no real touring experience going in. But, you know, everybody has to get their start. Mm-hmm. And we both took to it very quickly, I think. And that's kind of was our saving grace. But that was 96 cities in 11 months. Oh, baby. And it was a five <laughs> truck <laughs> show. Uh, it, we went from doing five cities a week to sitting down in uh, like Las Vegas for a week and a half. So that that was the kind of scope that that show had in terms of touring. And it was a great show. I mean, it was Beauty and the Beast isn't my favorite show as a show to watch anymore because I've seen it, you know, over 300 (laughs) times. But uh, the production quality was very good and it was a great tour. Then I had about a month and a half off after that. And I kind of just hung around home and saw family for the first time in over a year because there was no layoffs, no breaks, no nothing. We were loading in on Christmas Day and all all sorts of stuff. It was it was a crazy, crazy schedule. 
but once uh, was almost the same number of cities, but only in eight months. So it was a very fast schedule. It was three trucks. And it still goes down in history as one of my favorite shows I ever worked on. It is such a great show. I had mm. I had seen it in London um, when I went there. I went there for J term when I was at Fredonia, and I was like, "Wow, this is such a great show!" And then we got to do it, and it was it's such it's still such a great show. It's one of the few shows I've worked on that I still can listen to. And <laughs> the great thing about that show was I had some time off around Thanksgiving. I had about a month off around Christmas, and then it it, it just allowed me to have a home life. End a life on the road, uh, which I think is so important to know going in is that you to look at a schedule and think about those things. Don't just go out on the road and be like, well, there goes my life because you have other options. (laughs) You can have that home life, too. I think that was a saving grace to some of the home life. Not that it was going away, but it just, you know, it's tough to be away for so long. Um, you know, you can only do so much video chat. And I mean, COVID has taught us that above anything else. Mm. You know, you need to see your family. After once, I was going to get off the road. Shannon and I were going to move to the city and we were going to start that up and, and and really figure it out. And then the week before I was leaving once, and I think Shannon is still mad at me about this, um, I got <laughs> offered to go out on Phantom and Phantom's one of those shows that you just don't turn down if you get offered it the first time, like Oof. Phantom and Wicked and Lion King, right? If you get offered to go work on those shows, you just go. You figure it out. Um, and yeah. so uh. I was like, I think I'm going to go. And she's like, okay. <laughs> and I knew she she wanted the best for me, but it wasn't the best for us. But it turned into the best for us, I guess. Um, hmm. Phantom was really cool because you could take time off from the show if you wanted you know it was a two-week minimum in every city of a sit it was 16 trucks it was huge it was three days of loading and an entire day of two shows and then the loadout took 12 hours sometimes Hmm. (laughs) and it was crazy but it was such a good contract you got so much overtime the benefits were great um, and so getting onto Phantom when we did finally move to the city really set us up financially very well mm-hmm. and allowed me to do things like get married and <laughs> um, hey. propose to my wife. And, you know, <laughs> you know, it, yeah, it, things like that. So I started on the show as the assistant and the head electrician told me, full disclosure, I'm going to do production on Les Mis. So I'm going to be gone for at least a couple months. And I said, okay, no problem. He's like, it won't be an issue. We'll have somebody by then. And then I get there and he's like, yeah, we're still working it out. We don't know exactly who's going to come out. And a couple weeks goes by and he's like, so what do you think about being the head electrician out here? (laughs) And I said, well, I think I'll be the best of anybody we can get at the moment. And I took over as head electrician for a couple months and had a great time. And then he came back and I was the assistant again. And then he left for good this time, and I became the head again. And then I felt my time was up after a little over a year um, with the same show. I, I knew I needed a change. And I know Shannon and I did want to now move to the city for real. And Bay Street offered me a great position as the lighting supervisor. And so I left the Phantom Tour 
which I thought would be for good. It turns out that you never leave Phantom for good. <laughs> and so I went to so I went to Bay Street. And I think working on Phantom really put some things on my resume that really people started to take differently, you know, to look at you differently. Oh, wow. He toured a big show. You know, he didn't just do a bus and mm-hmm. truck one nighter. He toured one of the big shows. He he they they really care about the details, um, which I think was important for my production career. Nice. So in in all of that, how did you find a work life balance? Yeah, uh, I took a decent amount of vacation. I try. I so I took probably. Let's see. My brother and Shannon's sister both got married that year, so I had to take some time off for that. And I worked in like Shannon. And I went on a cruise, and then you know, if I had a day off and I was close enough to the East Coast, I would try to find a flight that worked where I could fly home like Sunday night after the show or first thing Monday morning, and then fly back Tuesday afternoon. And hopefully, the flight doesn't get delayed where I miss the show. And mm-hmm. just stuff like that was really important. And or a fly family out to see you. Shannon uh, came out a couple times. She surprised me once. And that was a th- we, we got we started having a lot of fun doing that. It's not telling each other and just showing up. Um, fortunately, we both <laughs> never tried to do that at the same time. Um, but the, her first day in her new apartment, I was in mind. I was in. Ottawa or Montreal, somewhere in Canada. And I was like, no, I was, I figured out that I could come down. So I surprised her and she was like, it's my first day. This is so great. And it really worked out. Uh, she woke up in her apartment (laughs) after her first night and I was there and that was pretty cool. Uh, And stuff like that. Yeah. So getting home when you can, um, bring, having friends meet you out on the road because you are in such unique places. Um, so to have people come and enjoy the places you get to go while you do your job is cool. It's really cool. And yeah. that's that was the start of my figuring out work-life balance. I mean, I'm still figuring it out, but that there was the start um, on Phantom because once in Beauty and the Beast, I just didn't have it. <laughs> and, you know, I think a lot of theater people can understand why. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's why we talk about it a lot. Be right back with more after this. It's, it's tricky, especially in the people we've talked to who have been on tour, you know, everyone has a different uh, regiment, but it's, yeah, it's really, it's really hard. hard in our career to find, to find that. It's and, very difficult, but it's not But impossible. I think even just like saying, yeah, right. It's not impossible. Like saying like, you know, my family's important to me. My friends are important to me. I'm going to make time is like the first step. And like you said, the pandemic has taught us that we can do, you know, the virtual stuff and making sure to have that home work balance too of like like, hey i I still have a life outside of this you know crazy contract and i gotta right i gotta keep watering that garden while i water this work garden is huge right you know so what are some like proud moments and what what's something that you're really proud of like career-wise i'm really proud that i made the switch from being a touring technician to a production electrician Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think there's a lot of people who get stuck. Not that there's anything wrong with it. Uh, let me rephrase that. I, <laughs> I'm proud that I was able to make that switch because it's something I knew I always wanted to do. Um, and it's not something that's necessarily easy. You need to really advocate for yourself mm-hmm. to do that. You need to network like crazy so that people, when they think like, oh, who are we going to hire for this? We'll just go with that guy. We always did. If you put the bug in their brain that. 
you're going to do something for them ahead of time, maybe they'll think of it when it comes to hiring. Like with Bronx Tale, when I was leaving Phantom, the production manager, who was a good friend of mine, he said, oh, you're dead to us. You're never you're going to go into the city and we're never going to hear from you again. I said, no, I'm going to be your Bronx Tale production electrician. He all of a sudden went, that's a really good idea. And that's how I got my first production <laughs> job. And now they call me. I think I'm one of their top calls, which is great. Yeah, That's one of the very proud moments. Um, the first time I got to watch the chandelier reveal in Phantom was pretty breathtaking. <laughs> and I was pretty proud <laughs> of that sure. moment. Um, that was such a cool effect. The first time I left the stage door from working my first Broadway show was pretty cool. Uh, you know, I worked as props on Pretty Woman for a while and, you know, it was like, wow, I'm working on Broadway. Like this is happening. <laughs> I never in a million years thought I would get there by 28, which was really cool. Leaving the stage door and being on 41st Street. That's pretty neat, you know. <laughs> So let's talk about this pandemic here and sure. how life shifted for you and what you've been doing. Yeah, um, it's been a crazy year. So I think the craziest thing about the pandemic was I it was it's still happening. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> my wife and I got married on February 29th of 2020. We and COVID was like just a thing that was just starting to pop up in the U.S., and we left on our honeymoon. We went to Ireland and London. And as we were in London, like two days before we were going to see a West End show, Broadway was shutting down. And then we were sitting in a packed theater. I mean, it was a big theater. We were seeing the Prince of Egypt. And there, mm. it was, I think it's a 5,000 seat theater. And it was packed full. And we were like, wow, this is kind of strange. And then as we were finishing that week up, all of our tours and stuff started having less and less people on them. And it, it's so crazy because I said going into our honeymoon, I was like, I'm going to take a month off for the first time ever. And we're going to do some stuff. <laughs> we're going to just hang out in New York City. Um, we're going to go visit some family. We're just whatever we want to do for a month. I'm going to take it off. And sure enough, it turned into 18 months. So I kind of bite my tongue on that <laughs> oh. one. Anytime I say I'm going to take some time <laughs> off. But uh we um, we left New York City after we quarantined for three weeks from coming back from our honeymoon. We went and stayed with Shannon's sister, and I helped them with some projects in Rochester. I mean, they put us up for three months, and we got to do some odd oddball jobs for friends up there and kind of just lay low because we were genuinely a little scared to be in New York City at the time. And then after we were there for three months, we done a decent amount of carpentry projects with them. They're, you know, they're working on, they have a fixer upper of a house kind of. Uh, we went down, we drove to Georgia and I stayed with my uncle for a month and did the same thing. Built some furniture for him, <laughs> cleared some land. You know, I, I feel like our skills from theater are such jack of all trades that you can just apply them differently and do so many different things. You know, we we got to see them for a month. And also I got to do some really unique projects I'm really proud of. Um, some really fine cabinetry in his basement that came out way better than I could have ever expected. <laughs> and uh, got to do some different stuff by doing that. And then, uh, then we came back to Long Island. I stayed with my parents for a while. 
we did a ton of projects for them, did a ton of projects for my brother. So I feel like I've just been building things for people in their yards and a lot of sheds and fire pits is what's gotten us through. But, oh my gosh. Yeah. But it keeps you busy. Wasn't there something with like packing that you did? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh Talk yeah. About that, oh my please. gosh. Um, my neighbor was moving and they weren't taking any furniture, but they were taking all their stuff. And so they, they rented a pod, one of those pods, and they had it delivered on their driveway and they approached me and they're like, we think you'd be really good at packing this. And I went, I don't think you have any idea how good I would be at, like, I think you don't even realize <laughs> what kind of skill set you've tapped into here, you know, because packing a truck's the same <laughs> thing, especially out of tech when you don't know where anything's going to fit or you know, once you get the show on the road, you have a layout and a truck pack, so you know where everything's going to go. But trying to figure out those trucks that are oddballs that are one time, you know, it's it's a big game of Tetris, and mm-hmm. we pack that thing to the corners. And they looked at it at the <laughs> end and went, "We have no idea how you fit all this stuff in here. We were sure we were going to have to get a second <laughs> one or throw stuff away. We just are astounded." And I was like, well, <laughs> let me know how it does when it gets there. And it got there and nothing moved. They opened the door. Nothing even fell out. It was just exactly <laughs> how they left it. And they were like. So awesome. A lot wow. of uh, problem solving you did over the pandemic. Yeah, truly. Like truly. Random problem solving of different things, which I feel like is what being in theater is. It's just a problem solver. Yeah. 99% of my job is problem solving i feel like yeah yeah okay this isn't working let's figure out why where do we start from the source you know it, it's mm-hmm. it, or do you start at the end you know it's so it's it's determining which is the best course of action mm-hmm. for what the problem is too that's even the first step of problem solving for us theater people it's not just the problem it's how to even approach the problem which is, <laughs> True. i think unique very unique to theater. Okay, is this going to cancel the show? Well, then we need to fix it right now. Or no, okay, maybe we can wait. What is a dream show that you want to work on? Ooh, that's a good one. Because I know you said you like where lighting is going. Are you are you into this whole projections land? Like is Frozen something that it has to be on your list? Uh, or is... Projections... I'm not as into video, okay. I, I don't think... I I work alongside some very talented video people, and I think what they do is such a unique skill. I think the technology side of video is something I could get into, but I think I'm more into the lighting side of it. Video, I feel like, is the cross between lighting and sound, where it Mm -hmm. uses light, it uses a lot of power, but the amount of data that needs to be transmitted on a video side of things is very sensitive. So like one broken cable can make everything fail. And I I don't have the patience for that kind of sensitivity of equipment. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Is I think the best way Fair. to put it. Uh, it just <laughs> makes me so frustrated sometimes. I still have done some video <laughs> and I will continue to do some video. Yeah. Um, I like integrating with video departments. I've worked on Blue Man Group. Yes. And there was so much video lighting collaboration um, to the point where I think every console we had, we had found uh, a bug in the software for every department because it was so much everything. It was so much set electrics. <laughs> it was so much 
video. It was so many instruments and to the point where the instrument would trigger the lighting, which would trigger the video. Everything was connected. So one problem would make the whole system collapse. Mm. And that was such a crazy show for those purposes because, you know, the blue man would hit a drum and then the drum would light up. But it wasn't just the drum lighting up. The blue man was hitting that drum which was then talking to the lighting console, which was then running a cue stack, which was then making the drum light up. Or that <laughs> drum hit was starting a whole sequence of show control that was making everything go. So I'm that's like the kind of integration I like. Yikes. I'm, I'm sweating <laughs> yeah. because I just talked to that production manager about relaunching the show in the spring and I'm already <laughs> oh <my God>. excited, <laughs> but also at the same time. It's so much work and I know it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I'm excited, but at the same time, know what I'm getting into because we did it once before. I think I digressed from your question about what a dream show of mine would be to work on. I think there's Fine. two. This was good. <laughs> I would love to work on Rock of Ages. Oh, yes. I see because that. Because I love rock and roll. I love the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's rock theater as well. I think that would be a cool show to work on one day. I'd also love the show. Heather's the musical. Yes. And I'd love to see a remount of that and work and work on it. Yeah. Yeah. Violet um, Smith, who was coming on later and who you knew, she came back to Ball State after she graduated my senior year and came and designed. Um, it's, it's the Green Day musical. Oh, American oh, Idiot. American Idiot. No. American Idiot. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She came and she was just like, it's just a rock concert. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, but talk about the lighting for that is so fun. Like, I can only imagine being the lighting designer for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I got so lucky when Fredonia decided to do hair. And, like, Mm. you know, Jake got so lucky when they did Rent because they're such fun musicals to do lighting for, you know, and that makes the job a lot better. Mm -hmm. And I'm lucky. I've I've realized I don't necessarily want to be a lighting designer anymore. I like designing the system that makes the lights turn on. But I think it was mm-hmm. because I realized, like, I need a show that really inspires me to get behind. So I can't fair. just throw lights on for any show. And and, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, that's totally okay. And I, I just don't have the ability, I think, in myself to inspire myself to do any show, I guess is the best way to put it. Versus some people, light designers who do every, you know, a ton of shows a year, they find ways to be inspired by every show they do. And that's just amazing. That's just a really unique skill. You know, we we have to be well-rounded. We have to be well-versed. We have to be versatile. Yes. We have to be able to, you know, do all of these types of skills that we've been talking about this whole conversation, right? And I think, you know, even though these we have these shows that we're really not super passionate about, I think it's so important to still take those jobs and, like, do the stuff that challenges us and, like, create something out of nothing. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, we we make a difference and it only helps us as artists appreciate and understand and learn and get those opportunities more. So I think, you know, even though we're, you know, not passionate about certain things and doing them is still quite important, but don't feel like you always have to say yes, which is a huge thing too. Like, please know your values and your worth and what you want. Yeah. Saying no, I had such a hard time and I still do. I don't have to do it as much right now because the schedule is pretty wide open. But saying no is sometimes, as a theater technician, one of the hardest things I think we can do because we're so afraid the work's going to dry up. And especially now, I feel like after this pandemic, there's going to be a huge influx of people not wanting to say no because they're so afraid. For sure. What if 
we shut down for 18 months again. Yeah. Like, let me get as much work in as I can now, which I don't disagree with. I mean, I'm filling up my schedule probably more tight than I would have because I, we just had this great vacation. Not that it was anything of a vacation, but <laughs> I still am thinking <laughs> yeah. like, okay, we need a weekend off here and there. And fortunately, like the way the holidays are falling and the way production schedules are falling, like that's all being worked in. Good. And I'm really happy yeah. about that. But saying no could open you up for opportunities you didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. You know, if you say you're going to go out on this tour for a couple months to fill in for somebody and then all of a sudden somebody needs a sub on Broadway. You just said yes to that. And so but you knew that that's where you wanted to get maybe, uh, which is being that sub on Broadway. Well, now you just made yourself unavailable versus maybe taking some side gigs in New York and then being available. Mm -hmm. You know, something like that is huge. So don't be afraid to say no. It's something that took me very long to figure out. Just because you're not working that day doesn't mean that you're not busy, whether a day off for you could be busy. You have stuff you need to do for yourself. And that's really important. Yeah. To also kind of like wrap up this conversation, I do want to talk about that stamp program for lighting that you're very passionate about that you were talking to us on the phone before we chatted. Do you mind bringing that up? Yeah, I think it fits right in with what I like about technology and new technology. Uh, I had first seen this program used, I think I was backstage at a Broadway tech or in the house or something. And I saw it and I was like, what is that? And then Blue Man Group came around and the associate lighting designer who's a really good friend of mine Aaron said we're gonna use this and I'm like wow that's really cool and it records video and then as you run through a sequence it stamps literally uh, into the video what cue that was so then when you rewind you can see what cue you were in as the line designer and know what you need to fix when the show when somebody calls a hold and you know, it's not my program. I didn't invent it, and I ju- we just use it. Uh, so whoever made it, it's kudos to you. It's genius. Um, <laughs> but it's really neat, and there's all sorts of stuff like that that is popping up between that program, and then there's like Lightrite, which is a lighting paperwork program, which just makes our lives work. I can't even imagine if we didn't have that. I mean, I'm sure we'd figure a different way, but it really makes it easy you know, to do our job. And it falls right into how technology is ever evolving Mm. with lighting, especially and every part of our industry. But uh, it seems like some of these things are really starting to take off, which is really cool and unique. Yeah. And it's like, it's that idea of like working smarter (laughs) too. Yeah. Work smarter, not harder. I feel like there was this like stigma when I first came to college where it was like, no, you got to like do it the right way. But like Mm. you can do it the right way and it can still be easier and faster and like all these things. Like there were certain things I wouldn't do. No, that's like cheating. I'm not doing that. But like absolutely. Now it's like my favorite thing in the world. I'm like, oh, my God, my life is so much easier. Now you're a working professional and you're like, oh, everybody does it that way because there's no reason to do it the hard way. It's like, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it, you look back and you're like, wow, I was so naive. Or, oh, I can't do it the easy yeah. way. That would be insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think there's really good 
juicy technology and new plays and new ways of thinking and yes. going about theater that are coming out of all of this. And we talk about it with every guest. We talk about the new works that are going to come out of this pandemic and how we're living through history. And I, I think we forget about the technology that is going to come out of this as well. And you know, things are going to be more simplified as the years go by. Oh, that's such an interesting point. Yeah, I, ne- I never even thought of two twofold of what you just said. I feel like I never even thought about like the number of plays that are going to come out of this, you know, because yeah. it's just this crazy time. So there's going to be like COVID, the musical, <laughs> right? crazy yeah. stuff like that. I feel like yeah. that is going to happen. And then yeah. the other side of it, I feel like, is the use of Zoom, just just with the way the world has shifted, like production meetings can maybe just be so digital now. And, you know, yeah. people working yeah. from afar. Ken Billington, who I've worked with before, he's like a hundred and something time Broadway lighting designer. He's a legend. He's such a great guy. He teched a show over Zoom. He, Whoa, he really? teched a wow. show in Japan. And he was in New huh. York and his programmer was in London. And what? to just hear about that, like, you know, there's going to be more of that. I mean, it might not have been the easiest experience, but it was possible. But it was so possible. Yeah. And I think we're going to see a lot more streaming yeah, of live about. theater, paid yeah. streaming of live theater, which could really help regional right. theaters get a larger audience, but it could possibly also hurt smaller theaters. So I'm curious to see what happens with that. But I still think at the end of the day, people are going to want to go sit in a theater, whether it's streamed or not. Oh, God, yeah. I think people are going to want to go to that live. And I also think, like, you don't have to be in the city anymore, like, as a performer, too. You don't have to be in the city. Sure. Which I feel like with technicians and designers, you don't have to be where things are happening until, like, closer to opening right Right. you can do it from far away but like right michaela's been auditioning online for months yeah like she's been sending in audition tapes and doing all of these things and everything's digital and everybody's accepting it because nobody wants to see anybody in person that has opened up an entire world of performers to a show as opposed to just who's there which one was like harder to like get book but also you don't have to live in the super expensive city (laughs) The entire time, like you can still book from far away. We're putting together a recording kit for Shannon to start doing that. Um, she's setting herself up to to up her quality abilities. Amazon nice. just had a prime day and she's like, let me see what I can grab that we can just try. And if it doesn't work, we'll return it. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, anything that yeah. can keep you from standing online at 4 a.m. <laughs> Please, God. Please. Yeah. Yeah, so let's uh, let's shift to our favorite questions, Grace. How do we feel about that? Yeah. So, Justin, I want you to close your eyes, okay. and I want you to picture your uh, 18-year-old self walking through the door of the room that you're currently in. Yeah. But I want you to imagine that you have 90 seconds to chat with this 18-year-old Justin, right? Just picture what he's wearing, what he smells like, you know, <laughs> where he just came from, all things. <laughs> I'm just adding things today. Uh, <laughs> and then <laughs> I want to hear what your advice would be to him. What what would you want to say to him about what the future holds and how he should approach his, the, you know, this college degree that he just got himself into at Sweet Fredonia and, you know, what all of the wisdom, because I think that applies to our listeners today of like, you know, the advice that you would give 
people wanting to go into theater and, you know, starting those degree programs and yeah. What is, what does that look like? That's a great question. It really is. <laughs> you know, not often do you get to think about like what you would do different. Um, you know, I try not to look back at my past, not in a, mm-hmm. in a bad, I, I try to look back at my past in a good way a lot. I try not to say, mm-hmm. I wish I did that um, because you can't change it. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that's my first piece of advice would be don't feel like you did the wrong thing before. Mm. Everything you did got you to where you are. Don't feel like, oh, well, that person did more in high school. Who cares? You're in the same program. Mm. You're getting the same degree at the end of the day. So just because your portfolio didn't have as many pictures as theirs, you're both in it now and all that doesn't matter. Um, and I think I would say, I'd say the great, great old don't be a jerk. Um, because I can definitely look back on myself and say, I could have handled that better, uh, to a couple of scenarios in life that those would be my two, two big pieces of advice for myself and that, and I would just have as much fun as you can, you know? And I think I did that. Of course, uh, I had so much fun in college and I still continue to try to have as much fun in my career because we do work in an industry where it should be fun all the time. And mm-hmm. we are so lucky to have jobs that are fun and that we look forward to going to most days of the week. And, you know, you have to also remember that not everybody feels that way. <sighs> yeah. You know, not everybody, maybe even in the room, but not everybody in on earth feels that their job is fun. And so when you're talking to them, remember that, you know, you can talk about how much fun you're having because there's nothing wrong with that. But remember that mm-hmm. not everybody feels that way about their job. Wow. Nice. Good advice. Yeah, this is good advice. Grace, why don't you ask your favorite? Okay, my favorite question is much less deep. So prepare yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so have you been watching, listening, or reading anything good? It doesn't have to do with anything that we talked about today if you don't want it to. Just anything that's good sure. that you feel like you want to share with people and be like, you need to see this, you need to read this, you need to listen to this. It's worth it, you know? Yeah, I have a few things that I love to watch, listen to, and read. Um, I don't do a lot of book reading. <laughs> oh, you could tell I read, by the way that you answered. I read... <laughs> I read a lot of articles, but in the last five years, there has been a book that has stood out to me so much that I absolutely love. Mm. And I think it's gotten me into more books and articles and things I like to watch, which was the Scott Kelly book about being on the space station for a year. Mm. Um, I think it's called Endurance. It is so neat. He spent a year off the earth in space and (sighs) the way he told it was really cool. That was a really good book. Uh, I read it mostly when I was in the spot booth for Phantom of the Opera because I had a lot of time not running a follow spot. Um, and I have <laughs> nice. few books that I I could never put down as a human uh, in my whole life. There was very few books that I could never put down, and that was one of them. I just wanted to read it. And that has gotten me really into uh, space and like SpaceX and NASA and following along with everything that's going on with the modern space race. So that's been really cool. I watched all the live launches to the International Space Station from the U.S. this year. And I found a launch that we were able to see a resupply. We were able to watch it from the backyard and I watched it go overhead. 
It was very tiny and flashy, but you're like, wow, that's going to the space station. That's really cool. Um, so that Hulk <laughs> kind of inspired me into this whole crazy space thing. Less uh, unique. Uh, I've always liked, I know this will come as such a shock, home improvement television shows, podcasts, stuff like that. Um, so I have watched a lot of This Old House this year, and they have a great podcast called Clear Story which isn't about them renovating houses, but it's kind of about how the world works. And I think that's really cool. Uh, they just had an episode about how we're running out of concrete. We're eventually going to run out of the materials to make concrete. And so much of the world needs that. And yeah. how we're it's shifting like, yeah, to figure everything. out new ways to do that. Huh. Um, yeah. And then along with them, I've listened to the Homes on Homes podcast, which is uh, Mike Holmes. He has a bunch of renovation television shows where his whole motto is, we're going to make it right. And I've always thought <laughs> in theater that I've applied that motto. Like, we're going to do this the right mm-hmm. way. And it's not going to be half-assed or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's going to be right. And um, an automation technician said to me once, uh, it, or I saw he had a sticker or something, it won't fail because of me. And that was like the motto people had when we went to the moon for the first time. And mm-hmm. I've tried to apply that. Like, we won't stop the show because of me. It, it, you know, if I do my job right and I, everything I'm in charge of is correct, then we won't stop the show for, and it won't be my fault. And that's mm-hmm. less likely chance that we're going to stop the show, period. I like that motto. That's kind of what I'm watching these days in terms of yeah. nice. like educational. I do love watching Grey's Anatomy, though. Uh, Shannon and I like to have a <laughs> oh, glass yeah. of wine and do that or a beer. And stop. Um, the, <laughs> yeah. The COVID season was kind of crazy uh, Yeah, because of how they, I think, had to film it, which is we, we finally, finally figured out that we think they filmed it the way they did because they could do it in small numbers. And that's like mm-hmm. how an industry coped with COVID, an industry similar to ours, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Yeah. But, nice. Yeah. Well, Justin, where can people find you, Justin? <laughs> uh, my Instagram is Justin M. Petito. So is my Twitter. I keep up most on Instagram. I, I, I try to post a lot of stories of what I'm up to. Uh, I haven't been so good about it lately, but uh, when I'm working, I try to post a picture of whatever show I'm working on like every day to my story um, because I think it's neat. I think people like it. I like seeing it in other people's stories. Mm. You can check me out. My website is justinmpetito.com. It's very outdated, but it will hopefully (laughs) within the next couple of weeks be updated. It still has uh, a picture of me my resume and what I'm going to be working on. So that's a good place to get some, some info about me. Nice. Justin, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. Truly. This has been such an honor and it's so wonderful to hear and kind of meet up with you again after admiring your work and you as a person as a little freshman. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, It's nice to see where your career has gone and all the hard work has paid off. I was so honored to be invited. Yes. Uh, Grace, you want to take us through the social media and we'll sign off here? Yeah. You can send us an email at dressingroomtalk at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at dressingroomtalkpod, Facebook at dressingroomtalkpodcast, or Twitter, dressingpod. (laughs) 
Michaela. Um, Michaela, what's our website? Hey, it's puddledropmedia.com <laughs> slash dressing room talk. Uh, please, please, please go check us out there. Uh, we are linking all of the episodes and all of the fun things and show notes will be on the episode to find Justin and please follow him, follow his career. And again, thank you so much, Justin, for your time. And with that, Justin, please sign us off. I'm Justin. I'm Michaela. And I'm Grace. And, and this, this is Dressing Room Talk. Talk.